So I was up in Canada the other day on business, and I got into a conversation with my friend Con Nickel. Con is one of those people who is just interested in all kinds of things. He just has a hunger for knowledge. And he asked me if I had ever heard about the last man who knew everything. I hadn't, so he told me a little bit about the guy, and I was hooked. When I got back to my hotel room, I did a little research, and what I found? Wow. The guy's name is Thomas Young. He was born in 1773, and he lived until 1829, which means that he was 56 when he died, if I did my math correctly. And while that may have counted as being an old man in the 18th century, to think that he accomplished what I'm about to tell you in such little time, I find to be pretty amazing. So Young was a doctor, and for a while, a college professor. But he also made huge discoveries in physics, energy, optics, vision, physiology, language, music, and of all things, Egyptology, the study of ancient Egypt. He was referred to by such people as William Herschel, who built the world's first large telescopes and who I talked about in another podcast, Hermann von Helmholtz, who was a pioneer in fields as diverse as physiology, psychology, physics, and philosophy, James Clerk Maxwell, who figured out how electromagnetism works, and Albert Einstein, who figured out just about everything else. They all talked about this guy. So here's his story. Young studied medicine in London and later went to Göttingen, Germany, where he got his medical degree in about 1796. In 1797, he inherited a huge estate that belonged to his granduncle, Richard Brocklesby. That inheritance made him financially independent, which is probably why he was able to become a true polymath, that is, someone who has skill and knowledge and interest in a wide range of things. In 1801, Young was appointed Professor of Natural Philosophy, what we'd call physics today, at the Royal Institution. Over the course of two years, he delivered 91 lectures on all kinds of topics. Now, I don't know about you, but I've taught a lot, and that's a pretty seriously heavy teaching schedule. In 1811, he became a physician at St. George's Hospital, and in 1814, he was elected to a committee to study the dangers of installing natural gas lighting throughout London. Five years later, he was elected to a commission that was charged with determining the exact length of a pendulum whose period is exactly two seconds. The period of the pendulum, by the way, is the time it takes for it to swing all the way to the left and then all the way to the right. Now, that sounds kind of like a silly thing to study, but this was really, really important for accurate timekeeping because it was also crucial for maritime navigation. It was no surprise that in 1818, he became secretary to the Board of Longitude. How's that for a business card? Which was convened to come up with an answer to the challenge of calculating longitudinal position, which, unlike latitude, couldn't depend on star and planet positions relative to the horizon to determine the position of a ship. So that's a pretty healthy academic resume. The list goes on. It's pretty impressive. But... What did this guy actually do, and why was he called the last man who knew everything? The answer is, well, he apparently was the last man to know just about everything, at least for and during the time that he was alive. So here's the deal. My brain hurts just reading the list of this guy's accomplishments. Young believed that his most important contribution to the world's store of knowledge was his creation of the wave theory of light. This is important on so many levels, not the least of which is that it put him at a contradictory position to Sir Isaac Newton, who was a science rock star, but who thought that light was a particle. 
Today, of course, we know that it behaves like both, so I guess they were both right and they were both wrong. Young demonstrated his wave theory by crafting what came to be known as the double-slit experiment, considered to be one of the most important contributions to physics ever made. But he didn't stop there. He went on to publish Young's Modulus, a mathematical principle that related the pressure on a body to the amount of strain that the body is experiencing, regardless of the shape of the object. All that mattered, he concluded anyway, was that the nature of the material itself was what really was important. This became fundamentally important for engineering problems like bridge and building construction. The next thing on his to-do list was to basically create the science of physiological optics. In other words, to do what no one had yet done, to understand how the eye works. In 1793, he explained how the eye automatically changes the curvature of its lens based on the distance of whatever the person is looking at. This, of course, of course, led to his development of the fundamental theories that related vision to color. That theory, called the Young-Helmholtz theory, the same Helmholtz I mentioned a few minutes ago, concludes that color perception is based on the presence of three different kinds of nerves in the retina, each one tuned to a different range of light frequencies. Today we call them cones. They're tuned to red, green, and blue, the three primary colors, and the basis for the RGB color system that we all talk about. So once he checked that off of his list, Young moved on to the theory of capillary phenomena and its relationship to surface tension. I was just talking about this last night over dinner. Yeah, sure I was. Anyway, this led to the creation of the Young-Laplace equation, which explains to us why soap bubbles can form, among lots of other things. Okay, let's see what was next. Well, there were a number of things that he did after that, including introducing the concept of energy for the first time. Then he came up with a rule of thumb for doctors to determine the correct dosage of a drug for a child of a certain age and weight. Basically, what it said was that the correct dose is equal to the adult dosage multiplied by the child's age in years divided by the sum of 12 plus the child's age. Don't ask. At this point, apparently Young got bored with science, so he moved on to other fields. He wrote an article for the Encyclopedia Britannica right at the beginning of the 18th century in which he compared the grammar and vocabulary of 400 distinct languages, pointing out the similarities and differences, work that would later lead to the creation of such fields as phonetics, philology, and linguistics. He also proposed a universal phonetic alphabet that allowed linguists to write down the correct pronunciation of any word in any language by using universal symbols that he created, each one representing a unique sound. I'm really familiar with this language of his because I used it in my undergraduate studies at Berkeley. For example, the Spanish word for house, casa, is pronounced differently in different parts of the Spanish-speaking world. In Latin America, they say it the way I just did, casa, with a sibilant S. But in Spain, they say casa. Hear the difference? You can actually write the word differently using Young's phonetic alphabet, and more importantly, if you know the alphabet, you can pronounce the word correctly. I think that's pretty cool. And then there are Young's contributions to Egyptology. When he was 40 years old, in 1813, he decided to study and decipher Egyptian hieroglyphics. He started with the existing translations of the early Demotic alphabet and along the way found numerous errors in translation. By 1814, he translated the Rosetta Stone. I think that was on a Saturday. Finally, Young developed what came to be known as Young's temperaments, which were very sophisticated methods for tuning musical instruments. You know what I like about this guy? Well, 
First, of course, his understanding that curiosity leads to good things. And second, that I shouldn't get too impressed with myself when I do something that I think might be impressive. Holy cow, And this guy deserves the title of the last man who knew everything. By the way, if you'd like to know more about this guy, Thomas Young, let me recommend a book to you. It's by Andrew Robinson, and it's called Big Surprise, The Last Man Who Knew Everything. It's a great read. And finally, a big shout-out to Con Nickel. Thanks, my friend, for telling me about this guy. For The Natural Curiosity Project, I'm Steve Shepard. Hey, I'm impressed with myself when my shoes stay tied for the entire day. What a world. And what a guy. Thomas Young. Curiosity Man, it rocks. See you in the next episode. 